Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be welcoming back a Villa hero, saying cheerio to the Belgian big man and checking in on our Euro stars. I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig. Hi Andy, great to be back uh, talking all things Aston Villa in England and uh, yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting show. And uh, yeah, very excited. You can find me at Craig Storrod on Twitter and um, we will, yeah, let's get to work, man. Yeah, definitely. But first of all, we've, we've got to start off on a bit of a somber note. Um, we just m- must make mention of the news today that a police officer um, has been found guilty of the manslaughter of Villa legend Dalian Atkinson. This is, of course, a trial that has been going on for, for, for some weeks now um and obviously a case that's been going on for for a number of years um since since daly and sadly lost his life um the verdict has finally been reached um and to hopefully offer some semblance of of justice to to Dalian's family um there will naturally be be lots of emotions resulting from this um particularly in the in the current climate um and the the fight against Racism and the fight for social justice that um, that we're all going through, um, but but of course football is, is is a big part of that, um, and I just wanted to to kind of get your your initial thoughts on this, Craig. Um, it's it's really difficult to 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 have any other feelings um, other than real um, despair at the whole thing. Um, it's really disappointing um to put it mildly um you know i i find it incredibly upsetting um my my love goes out to um dalian atkinson's family and to dalian himself um i think the most important thing to remember here is that a man's life has been taken away from him now it seems that from the information that we have that uh, dalian was experiencing some sort of mental health um, issue on on that day when he when he died and that he needed some care and some support and some understanding and and um instead he got killed um he was tased for 33 seconds which is obviously quite a bit longer than the 6 seconds which is um regulated or or, or permitted should i say and then when he was incapacitated, um, he's been kicked forcibly, apparently full force in the head twice by a police officer while he's been on the floor and he has subsequently died from these injuries. So it doesn't really get much worse. I can only imagine Dalian's um, last moments. He's, he's, he's already um, feeling 
terrible. Um, he, he had some health problems, some mental health problems too. And then he's been basically attacked by someone whose responsibility responsibility it is to to care for him and protect him and protect the public. Um, and obviously it's not lost that this Daniel Atkinson is a black man. And in the current climate, obviously that is particularly poignant given the last year or so. Um, the fact that he was uh, a footballer didn't protect Dalian. The fact that he was famous didn't protect Dalian. The fact that he earned a lot of money didn't protect Dalian. Um, and it's just really sad that the one of the institutions or one of the people representing one of the most in important institutions in any country, which is the police force, um, one of these individuals has, has killed this man. And this is really, for me, unforgivable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really well said. And I'd, I'd obviously echo um, every word of, of that. Um, it's hard to know really how to sum it up. And obviously we're, we're sort of reacting to, to all this um, quite soon after the, the verdict. Um, and obviously, you know, we need to, um, you know, uh, be maybe be slightly careful what we say but at the same time you know it's 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 good that maybe there's been um an outcome to this um whether it's enough um i don't i don't know um but you know we just it just it just emphasizes the need to to continue to to learn continue to educate um continue to to um you know reject um social injustice and whether that comes from wherever that comes from uh, in this case it was the police it's not always the police but of course there is a there is a um there has been you know issues here and in the states um and i guess other places as well um so we just need to um to keep keep the pressure on i think and keep taking the knee um you know and keep supporting um the, the the fight for, for social justice and um one day in the future we may get there um but um yeah love to all the um all dalian's uh, loved ones family and friends and ex-colleagues and all the rest of it that uh that are affected by by this and um you know hopefully they can find some some peace for themselves now um but we must obviously move on to to Villa Matters, current Villa Matters. Um, and we were back on Spaces the other night, as we do, to discuss a um, a new signing. Um, a, bit of a, a bit of a shock signing, this one. As last week, um, Villa announced the, the return of, of Ashley Young on a free transfer from Inter Milan. Um, the ex-England international who left Villa for, for Man United in 2011 um, has had you know, a trophy-laden career, really, since he since he left Villa um, and has just added the Serie A title um, to his medal hall. Villa fans will remember Young as, a, as an exciting and skillful winger who, who made a habit of rinsing full-backs and scoring and assisting goals um, as part of one of Villa's most successful um, teams really since the since the nineties under Martin O'Neill, a huge amount has changed um, at Villa, um, and also for Young since then. Um, 
I, I heard a quote, he, he said a quote saying it's like he'd never been away, but I, I don't think we feel like that, do we? Um, <laughs> it's uh, It seems like a, a lifetime ago that he was in a Villa shirt. But um, but what, what, what do you think fans should expect now when he, he takes the field uh, this season for Aston Villa? I think they should expect a winner. Um, winner, winner, chicken dinner, as it as it were. This is a guy who's won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Europa League, and just a few months ago won uh, Serie A with Inter Milan. Uh, this is an incredible pedigree, um, not to mention he also won the Young Player of the Year way back in two, 2009 with, with Aston Villa. Um, you know, you say, Andy, that, that Ashley Young said uh, it doesn't feel like he's missed a year. It, doesn't, it feels like he's never been away. Well, it's been a long, hard 10 years for us Villa fans. While Ashley Young has been living the dream, making uh, a a wonderful living and winning trophies at uh, top football clubs, Aston Villa have been through the absolute mire. So um, Ashley Young only looks like he's aged about two years. The rest of us have aged about 25 in the last 10 watching Villa. So, um, (laughs) but what will he bring? What What will he bring to the party? I think that's just it. I think he's a winner. I think he's bringing experience. I think we are obviously, not obviously, if you, it might be obvious if you don't know, but Aston Villa last year were the youngest squad in the Premier League, youngest average age. And from that youngest average age, we just lost some of our, all of our oldest players, actually, with the except all of our players over 30 have just left, other than Conor Harahan, who may also be on his way out the door, if rumours are to be believed. So we've just lost Tom Heaton, Big experience, Elmo, big experience, Neil Taylor, big experience. Those three going out the door means that the youngest squad is even younger. So although Ashley Young isn't necessarily in the the the, uh, the, the famous Christian Perslow kind of remit in terms of buying young players with sell-on value, I think the fact that he's back, the fact that we need experienced players and the fact that he can cover four or five positions um, I think is really going to be important for Aston Villa. Um, so what do we expect when he's uh, when he's playing for Aston Villa? I don't expect the same flying winger we saw uh, lining up against uh, lining up with Gabby Agbon Lahore. You know when they were they were a couple of whippersnappers under Martin O'Neill. I don't expect him to fly past uh, Jolien Lescott. Um, Although Jolene Lescott did turn into a traffic cone in later years, so he might... um, But anyway, it's a different thing. Um, I I don't expect him to be the flying winger that we saw, but what I do expect is a real top pro, a good professional. I expect him to be fit as a fiddle. I mean, he's not carrying an ounce of body fat if you you look at him in the interviews. He is as fit as ever, and I'm expecting him to fill in at left back, right back. I think he can play anywhere. Um, He can play as a number 10 he certainly can play on the left wing or the right wing. Um, so that's five positions covered by one player. And I expect him to be a really big voice in the dressing room, a really big leader. And I think that um, I wasn't sure actually about this, Andy, in the beginning of this signing, but um, it's grown on me. How about you? Yeah, it's got, I said the other night, it's got a, a feel good factor about it, hasn't it? It's uh, It's one of those that even people that were broadly, um, against it or or skeptical of it have kind of come on board and gone actually this is this feels nice this is a this is a good signing and if i think if we were in a situation where ashley young was our big signing um as we have been in the past when we were signing um 
Kieran Richardson and Sendros and Joe Cole, although I did I did love signing Joe Cole, um, one of my favourite players. Um, I think then we would we'd be more concerned. But the fact is that he's coming in to to form part of the squad and be a, like you say a, a leader and a voice in the dressing room. But also um, absolutely looks looks bang in shape and has just come off the back of a, a busy season. He's not been making up the numbers at Inter. He's been playing. Um, I'm not. I'm not actually sure, but I think he's he has been playing in a variety of positions as well. He's he's not just been covering the the fullback positions. So um, it's it, it's nice. It feels it feels good. It's nice to have him back. He was. It's a strange one because um, he was he was. I think I, I said this on the group chat. He was never my favourite player at Villa. He, he was one of those that kind of. Um, whether I was just more more into into my, my big centre backs at the at the time with Melberg and and, <laughs> and Larson and people like that, um, but I was I was found him equally as as, as brilliant as he was at times, um, slightly infu- infuriating at other times when his his delivery, you know, wasn't um, spectacularly uh, pinpoint onto onto Carew's head. It was it could it could be frustrating, but. There's no doubt about it. He's 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 responsible for an awful lot of um, very fond memories. Um, you know, particularly that 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 winner at Everton, um, which was which was just just incredible. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased to have him back. I think he's a he's he's clearly a top pro and a and a leader. He's captain Man United, um, and um, yeah, like you, I'm not expecting him to be uh, to be rinsing rinsing fullbacks anymore, but. Um, I think he will be a really, really good quality addition to the to the to the squad, without a doubt. And if we need him, he'll be he'll be up for it. I think he, I think you know, judging from his interview as well, Andy, I think he backed himself to be starting. I think he thinks, you know, he, and that's again that that's about the mentality. You know, he's an absolute winner. You know, when he's coming in the interview, he doesn't sound like someone who's who's uh, at the end of the line. He feels like he's got a lot to give and he wants to play in the first team. And um, that is what you want. You want competition for places. We've had too many people, um, you know, in recent years, the likes of Henry Lansbury springs to mind, who just kind of happy floating along, picking up a nice paycheck. And I think he signed for, I think he's, he's ended up in League Two now, isn't he somewhere, Lansbury? He signs for he's, a, he's, a, he's at Lute, he's gone to Luton in the championship. That, that was a championship, all right. Um, so um, yeah, so I think the fact that he's a winner, the fact that he wants to play is going to be really good. Um, Ashley Young, I mean, um, for me, he's one of my kind of Villa heroes in terms of the, from the time I started going to see Aston Villa. You look at Dwight York, Paul McGrath. I look at Paul Merson, Ashley Young, Christian Benteke. And um, obviously, Super Jack Grealish is, of being really the the best players I've seen play in the Villa shirt, and, and, and Ashley Young is certainly one of those. So um, delighted he's come back. I think, um, but there is a tinge of disappointment. This might be for a different show of what could have been because those learner years, we had one hell of a team, and, and the exits of the like of likes of Milner and Barry and Young, Downing. You know, really, Gary Cahill, goodness me, we really would have had an excellent team had um, had we been able, had learned and not have lost interest. And as Andy always says, stop fighting the bear. 
the bear mauled us and killed us and relegated us to the championship. Yeah, <laughs> and we're back yeah. for our revenge now, bear. We're back. Yes, we're we're ready to 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 pick up that big stick again and have an, have another go, aren't we? But um, yeah, I think I, th- I think that's that's it. I think the the one thing um, that I I'm perhaps a little bit concerned about when it comes to Ashley Young and, and players generally of of his sort of age, he'll be thirty six when the season starts. I think um, is that they can look fine and good and 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 trucking along, and then all of a sudden it can go. Um, you know the, 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 whether the legs go or or that it's just the the body isn't willing anymore. Um, at yeah, that, to, to, at that level, I mean, we're talking I, about still super fit. But I agree with you. I think we saw that with with Elmo. You know, I think I made my 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 feelings quite clear on this podcast with Elmo. This last and and Elmo is is a bit of a recent legend. You know, with with the Villa. You know, what what a great buy. So it's not um, a, a criticism of him particularly. But it did look to me in the last few months when he came in for Matt Cash, when he had those hamstring injuries, that it was just gone. You know, he just didn't have it anymore. And that that can happen. And some players kind of degenerate very, very gradually. And and uh, like someone like James Milner, for an, for an example, seems to be, obviously he's not quite what he was five years ago, but he seems to be declining very gradually. Other players, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I think Rio Ferdinand was one. You know, one minute he was playing for Man United and it seemed the next minute he was... He was being skinned for QPR, and then he's two two weeks later he's retired. Some players just literally, as you say, Andy, they do hit a wall. But I suppose uh, to take that point, Villa are protected in that even if Ashley Young's, even if he is, even if he does run out of gas this year, we've only signed him for on a one year deal, and obviously, you know, he'll 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 be moved on next summer if that's the case. But you know, hopefully, he has another year or two in him, and. Um, and and he can be a big a big part of our season. Yeah, it would be it would be lovely. Another kind of thing is, you know, if he could if he could get a couple of more couple more years out of him, and he helped kind of finish that job of of getting Villa into the Champions League. Um, it's quite a you know quite a target, but I think that this is where we've got to be aiming at. Um, you know, with the kind of kind of investment we're making now, and this is certainly what the owners are looking at. You know, in the next certainly in the next two or three years, that that Villa are, are competing for the Champions League places, and you know he could never quite do it um, before. We played in the in the in the Euro, Europa League or the UEFA Cup or whatever it was called. UEFA Cup back in the old days. But what do you think of the Championship Champions League? What would you think of that, um, Andy? Already we're, we're early in the summer, but but as it stands right now with not only the signings that we have through the door with obviously a record-breaking transfer for Emi Buendia, Ashley Young through the door, um, and lots of rumoured other people about to come through the door that we talk about. Have Do our expectations change now? If we finish, if we're competing in mid-table again next year, let's say we finish 10th through 11th, is that now a problem do we see this Villa team now as having to finish in I don't know Europa League places as a bare minimum is that is that what you're kind of thinking now well I think Perslow um did an interview he did an interview around the middle of the season and also one just at the end of the season there didn't he and I think 
the one in the middle of the season was very interesting because he said that given the the run or the start that that Villa had, that they had adjusted their targets slightly, um, that they may have had at the start of the season. And then at the end of the season, he, he, he made the point that he was a little bit disappointed with 11th place. Um, so that says to me that even during the season, the 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 expectation and the target was higher than we finished. Um, so in in some ways, although it's probably about par for perhaps what they expected at the start of the season, as the season's gone on, it's become below par. So there's no doubt in my mind that if we're kicking around ninth, tenth again next season, that's not going to be good enough. And um, unfortunately, Dean Smith might have um, some questions to answer in that respect. And also, you think about um, if we if we if we do keep hold of of Grealish this summer, and he has another season, um, and we've talked about this before. You know, it's not all about keeping Jack Grealish, but he he's not gonna he's not gonna stick around for another mid table mid table mediocrity season, is he? He's gonna he's gonna want to then at that point be playing Champions League football. He's got a taste of it already just last night, hasn't he? And we'll talk about that in a bit. Um so I think I think it's actually imperative that I mean for me for me it's top six or bust. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm that. You know, I think it's now's the time. It's it's going for the top six, and um, that is my that is my target for the team. Obviously, that's them's, not the target, but them's fighting know. words. Those are those yeah. are Andy. Well, I, I think I think that's the thing, and I think when you see teams around us, I mean, Spurs can't even get a manager in place. You know, Arsenal are, are up to their neck in debt. Um, Everton and, and as well, who finished Ever- above us, no Ever- manager still. Absolutely, um, you know we've got to be we've got to be doing that because I tell you what, if we don't finish in the top six, bloody Leeds will, and we don't, and no one wants that. <laughs> Do you know what I? You know I I I will say that I would rather Leeds finish in the top six than one of these seditious six clubs. I you know I think uh, Leeds, Everton, Villa are the kind of disruptors here. Everton now obviously are going to have to take a couple of steps back because they've lost Ancelotti, who's obviously been one of the top managers in Europe for, for the last kind of 10, 15 years. Uh, but Villa are really pushing on. And and yeah, I think, um, I think you know, we, we, we defended Smith a lot this season, uh, or last season now, I guess, because we've kind of in the new season. Is it still this season or is it last season? How do it's we no, quantify it? We're not in a season. We're not in a season. Okay, so last season is last season, and next season is next season. Good. Glad we cleared that up. As my dad so, would say, it's the cricket season. It's the cricket season. So yeah. So we we did a lot of Dean Smith defence, didn't we, on this podcast yeah. um, last season when the Smith Out Brigade got very very twitchy with our disappointing run, which culminated with another injury to, to Jack Grealish, and. Um, I am getting from you, Andy, that you're not going to be defending him this year or next season, should I say, if results are the same. You're going to be you're going to be jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I might I <laughs> I, 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 I might follow behind in the in my uh, in my Fiesta, but I'm not I'm not. 
<laughs> I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. But but no, I think I think he will have some some difficult questions to ask, particularly if we spend around about or upwards of of a hundred million pounds again, as we have for the last two overall seasons now. Um, that's a hell of an outlay um, to be finishing in mid table, and I think I think he will have some questions. But I think I think he's up to the job. I think. I back I, I I back him to to take us on again and to to get us into that top six because um, I think he's got a really clear idea of how he wants to play. Um, I think it's a really good way of of, of playing. I th- we've seen glimpses of it um, more so um, in the season just gone that um, you know that high pressing um, attacking um, style of play. Obviously, it relied heavily on Jack Grealish, but hopefully this season will be different. It won't. We won't be so reliant on on Grealish. And um, I, I, I just think that you know context is everything. So you know, if you end up with with ten bad injuries, or you know, or things happen, or indeed Jack Grealish does leave, then um, then you might have to revise your your targets a little bit. But um, as things stand and with the rumours of you know more to come in the transfer window, um, I think I think top six should absolutely be the target. Fair enough, fair enough. So, I, um, I I would say top eight, but I think you know this is where we stand today, ladies and gentlemen. It is as we're recording, it is June twenty third. So obviously the transfer window is not closed. Tottenham still don't have a manager. Everton still don't have a manager, as we've discussed. There's lots Arsenal are in it seem to be in a bit of a financial quagmire and we're going to get onto that in a minute. Um, but um, as it stands on June 23rd, mark the date, Andy is saying Aston Villa need to finish in the top six. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> You've hung me out and I'm drying quickly. Hey, I didn't say it, you said it. <laughs> but no, but we do we do say obviously it is June, you know, in a month's time the landscape could look very different, you know, if 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 all hell breaks loose and Greenish does leave, uh, Liverpool are uh, apparently sniffing around McGinn. We hear, you know, if we lost, for example, I don't think this will happen for a second, but if we lost McGinn and Grealish, just an, as an example, then yes, obviously, we would have to revise those uh, targets, I would assume. Yeah, I will. I would be revising hard at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, I, I mean, we'll just, just mention briefly... Um, there was an outgoing in the last few days as well as um, Belgian centre-half Bjorn Engels um, has left the club to join uh, Royal Antwerp. Um, Engels signed in in 2019 in that crazy summer after we'd been promoted um, and has had a bit of a chequered um, Villa Villa stint really. Um, after a really strong start, he formed a, a promising partnership with, with Tyro Mings at the back Um during those those opening few months, um, but obviously it's kind of been been plagued by injury and possibly a little bit of homesickness, um, and uh, you know it seems a shame really that he hasn't hasn't quite made the grade at Villa, um, but you know where do you think it went wrong for for Engels and and do you think he'll be um, do you think we'll see him back in the Premier League at some point? Has he got the has he got the attributes? 
I think he does have the attributes, yeah. And um, I was talking to, to a friend about this the other day. I think Engels does have the attributes. I think when we saw him uh, in the beginning, the the Mengels partnership, it did look very, very promising. Um, but I think that, that Engels has had a couple of problems and where it's gone wrong, wrong for him is uh, the first thing he can't really do a, a great deal about, and that's because he is particularly slow and he's got the turning circle of a larger, a larger cruise liner. So those two things... <laughs> what he is, he's, he's, he's very slow. So those two things are, are difficult for a Dean Smith side who like to play a high line. So um, that's the first problem. His second problem is he seems to be a little bit injury prone. Um, he's he not seemed, he was. He picked up niggles here, niggles there. Uh, I think we spoke about Engels sometime around the spring where I was like, he's been a little bit unlucky because he missed his opportunity to play any football last year because the Carabao Cup run where he would have played and, and got some minutes in, he was injured. I think you remember way back to the beginning of last season, we had Elmo at centre-back because Engels just wasn't there, wasn't available. And obviously we had the COVID outbreak, which means that there was no FA Cup run at all to speak of, knocked out in the third round. Um, the, although the kids did us proud. A big shout out to Louis Barry for that goal. So I think those are the two things that, um, that, that, um, that, that held him back. Um, and Konza, the emergence of Konza probably will be the third thing. Um, Konza is just a much better player um, from what we've seen. And it's probably no coincidence, although I don't attribute the whole blame to Engels, so please don't, please don't think that I am. It's no coincidence that Engels is out the team, Konza's in, and Villa's defence gets markedly, markedly better. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence either. But do I think he has a future in the Premier League? Yes, I do. I think he is perfect for a Premier League defence that plays a little bit deeper. Um, so maybe like a Newcastle or a, a Burnley, for example, just uh, or, or even a Crystal Palace. He'd be great for Crystal Palace. Any team that kind of sits a bit deeper and um, he doesn't have to do play a high line where he's going to get caught out over the top by pace of someone like uh, Shane Long, for example, as we saw uh, happen and Son as well uh, uh, in the Southampton and Tottenham games last season, respectively. I think if he's going to play for a Premier League team, uh, he can certainly do so, but it needs to be someone that plays a, a, a low block rather than a high line. Um, but um, yeah, Engels, I, I, I thank him. Obviously, he's not a, a Villa legend or anything like that. He had a he had a cup of coffee, as I like to say, and now you know we, we move along. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and you know it's a shame because I, I really thought that we'd uh, we'd signed a you know someone that was was going to you know be be part of our defence for a, for a few years, and or even that that would um, sort of appreciate in value, and and we'd we'd be selling off to to, to Spurs for a ridiculous amount. Um, in a couple of years but look you know these things happen and when you sign a, a lot of players like that you you expect um a few of them not to be not to work out and 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 he's perhaps been one of those um you know more more by luck than or bad luck than than anything else i think um but you know moving on to sort of the the transfer market this summer um john percy um who is you know the one we all look out for in terms of our villa news um, and getting it right um, in the Telegraph uh, has been reporting that that Villa may well um, go back in and, and test Arsenal's resolve for their wonder kid Emil Smith Rowe. 
Um, it was reported that the Gunners had already turned down a bid of in the region of of twenty five million, um, and on and are you know intent on him in, in staying and signing a new contract, which has been on offer for some time, I believe. Um, this one seems um, quite unlikely, um, you know. So so so, what does the fact that Villa are persisting with it um, in pursuing it um, say about about this? potential deal I think it says that Villa think it can happen um, in, in, in a nutshell um, I think you know transfers are a murky business now obviously in terms of the rules of football transfers are supposed to, are supposed to be condu- supposed to be conducted in a certain way which is club identifies player uh, club makes an offer to other club and for said player a fee is agreed, and then upon a fee being agreed, the player and the club discuss personal terms, and a transfer is agreed or it isn't agreed. Unfortunately, we know that that isn't really how it happens. It's quite the opposite of that. We know that agents are talking to uh, clubs, clubs are talking to agents, players are talking to agents, players are talking to other players, particularly on international duty. Um, Rumours are a lot of business gets done on on England camps, uh, for example. Uh, Hopefully, Jack, don't talk to anyone. Just ignore them, Jack. Ignore them. (laughs) Just talk to Tyrone. (laughs) They were were ignoring him last night when he was out, out on the wing unmarked. They were ignoring him. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But so, 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 so here's my assumption, and it is an assumption because I don't have any uh, in the know um, credentials with this particular deal. Okay, someone has spoken to Smith Rowe, and Smith Rowe is up for the move. Smith Rowe also has not signed a contract, which allegedly has been on offer from Arsenal since April. March or April. So we're two or three months with the contract being on the table. Smith Rowe hasn't signed it. Presumably he hasn't signed it because there was not enough money in it and or Arsenal are um, potentially going to be signing players in his position and he's concerned about his development, as he should be. When you see the likes of Joe Willock and Maitland-Niles and some other Arsenal youngsters you can name who, who, who basically don't necessarily get a good run at it. So Smithrow might be thinking, actually, the best place for me to develop is Aston Villa. We can see that they, they're bringing young players through. Uh, we've talked at length about that. So my assumption is, Andy, that, that there's a deal to be done, at least between Smithrow and Aston Villa. So now it's a question of Aston Villa doing a deal with Arsenal. Now, Arsenal are allegedly in, as you said earlier, a, a whole heap of debt. Um, some people speculating up to the tune of £500 million pounds based on these factors clearly Villa are pursuing it because they think a deal can be done now there is a difference between can be done and will be done but I think it's incredibly incredibly exciting because I think he is a real star in the making I don't know about you Andy yeah I mean certainly what I've seen of him um he he does look um really exciting a really exciting talent and in years gone by, there was there would be absolutely no chance, no way, that Arsenal there'd be any chance of Arsenal letting a player like that go, um, a young player, until they'd either, you know, until it, it was obvious they they just could not keep him um, because he he'd outgrown the club or because um, 
he wasn't he wasn't as good as they thought, you know. But there'd be absolutely no no chance um, of that happening, and certainly not to what would you know is potentially a, a rival um, for the European places next season. Um, you know, I just think, and this is why maybe it just feels very very unlikely. I think he's an Arsenal boy, isn't he? And surely, you know, you'd expect him to to want to sign a contract and be part of that that team. But like you say, it's it's maybe not as clear cut as that. It's not how it was um, you know, back when Wenger was there and and you know, where if you were, you know, a good enough player, you would you would almost certainly um have a great career at Arsenal. That there was that there isn't that feeling at the moment. It's just definitely a club either on the down or certainly or or maybe in some sort of transition. Um so it's it's just a weird one. I can't see it happening, but maybe that's my um pessimism. Pessimism. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's pessimism. Maybe it's just that I, I haven't quite caught up with events yet and um and, and Arsenal maybe are there for the for the taking in terms of um you know, picking off their talent, um, and he's certainly one who who would be in that in that category. And I think Saka is another one. And I think if um, I can see a, a situation where if if um, Villa do dig their heels in over Grealish, that that Man City or whoever are at is after Grealish might might go in for Saka because I think uh, I think he's gettable. Yeah, and 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 this all and and lots of this is speculation, but it does seem as though um, it does seem as though well, no, it doesn't. Well, this isn't speculation. Arsenal are in a lot of debt. That's an absolute fact. Arsenal owe more in transfer fees than any other club in outstanding transfer fees than any other club in the Premier League. That is also a a, a fact. So, if Villa are offering. 30, 35 million cash, and that helps fill a black hole in Arsenal's finances. Arsenal are trying to raise the, the funds to buy Ben White, I believe, from Brighton, uh, for example. Um, it could be a deal that works for, for, for all parties. Um, Arsenal might feel like Smith Rowe is um, not as necessary to them because they do have Saka and they are still interested in Odegaard from, from Real Madrid. But having said all that, I don't think there's any smoke without fire. Aston Villa wouldn't be pursuing this if they didn't think there was a possibility. So um, I guess we'll just have to watch this space. But wow, not only have we just beaten Arsenal to Emi Buendia, who is a wonderful, wonderful player that I'm really excited to see. We're now looking at taking Arsenal's probably second best youngster after after Saka, which is, um, as you say, it is hard to get your head around because... Even, never mind two years ago, 12 months ago, this was unthinkable. Absolutely unthinkable. But um, times are changing. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how that goes. And um, another player that's um, been linked just this week, um, um, there are reports in, in Argentina that Villa are chasing River Plate attacker Julian Alvarez. Um it's believed that the uh, the 20, 20 year old would cost around uh, fifteen million pounds, um, as Villa seem to be kind of leading the way of tapping into that South American market, um, which seems to be the way to go now post Brexit. Um, what do you what do you know about this player, if anything, and 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 what does this say about about Villa's transfer strategy this summer? 
Well, what do I know about the player? Um, I know absolutely everything there is to know. No, not really. Um, I have uh, binged watched every YouTube compilation on the young man I can find. So it's really sophisticated scouting. I've read uh, some articles and uh, I think it's, it's Tim, Vic- Tim Vickers or Tim Vickery yeah, Tim has wrote Vickery. some stuff. Mm. Yeah, has wrote some stuff about him as, as a South American correspondent and South American expert. So um, what he seems to be, Julian Alvarez, is a hot prospect in Argentina. The fact that he's in the Argentina squad at 20 years of age, ahead of Emi Buendia, might I add, is very, very exciting. He seems to be a player that can operate anywhere across the front three. He seems to be a player that could also potentially cover Ollie Watkins um, in terms of... Uh, 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 and he also seems to be a more cultured finisher than Ollie Watkins. Um, you know, again, YouTube compilations <laughs> so that is what it seems to be the case but you do make a really interesting point Andy about um, Brexit and I think we, we, we maybe haven't spoken about this enough in in, in, in in any kind of detail but Brexit has basically eliminated the possibility of signing any just any old player from Europe because obviously there's no longer freedom of movement so from a Villa standpoint, signing someone like uh, Freddie Gilbert, who's not a French international or who isn't going to command a large fee or large wages, just just as an example, might be much, well, not might be, is much trickier now, not as straightforward because there isn't that blanket freedom of movement um, either way. So now looking to the South American market, what you've got in Alvarez is you've got a full international player and you've got him playing for uh, River Plate, which is one of the top top uh, uh, clubs in that particular league. So you have someone who qualifies for a work permit instantly, whereas a French, a young French footballer, might not in the same in the same way. So I think we, we might see a lot more of this in the coming years with uh, with 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 Premier League clubs casting their net far and wide um, to to bring in new talent. But what I'll ask you about Andy is. What, what not only what does this say about Aston Villa, but what does it say about our goalkeeper extraordinaire, Emmy Martinez? What is he doing? Well, he's, speaking he's, of speaking of, of players uh, scouting in the England camp, Emmy Martinez is 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 scouting for us in the Argentina camp. Seemingly, I think if 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 Emmy Martinez tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, "Listen, son." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. Uh, I think you should come over and live in Birmingham and play for my team. I think I'd. I think I'd probably do it. Um, but um, yeah, I, th- I think. I think it just shows, doesn't it, that you, it's. It's sometimes. It's getting a foothold in 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 these areas. So, you know, you you, you sign an influential player um, from from a from a certain country or certain area, and 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 suddenly that that the prospect becomes perhaps a bit more enticing for players of that of that nation and and you know they they have a they have a, a reference point whereas you know I'm sure people in Argentina have heard of Aston Villa but you know they they actually have players in their national team that in, in fact they're their number one goalkeeper at the moment who who plays for, for for Aston Villa and and they have a reference point don't they they have a contact they have a you know a um you know, a, a kind of uh, reason, I suppose, to to think this this might be a a good move, and that's even before 
you know, Johan Langer's got his um, his claws into them. So, you know, I think I think you know th- th- these are good things. And we talked, didn't we, last or a couple of weeks ago? I think about um, the fact that we there is that there feels like there's a strategic um, uh, approach to to signing players from these from these hotspots, really, and. You know, I, I think whether that's true or not, but but certainly that's how it seems, and 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 I like it. And this is a real thing as well. What you what you're saying and what we have spoken about. So um, just just a little bit of a personal anecdote. Um, so I play football in 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 Philadelphia or soccer as they call it here. And I remember one of the first times I went to um, to um, to training or whatever. I was wearing like a Villa kit or you know one of the older Villa kits and um, and. Um, uh, and as soon as I got there, I was greeted with Juan Pablo Angel, Juan Pablo Angel. And there were two or three of the Colombian lads, uh, a little bit older, who just knew straight away associated Aston Villa with uh, Angel. And obviously, subsequently, uh, uh, Roque, Rock, the, the Rock, as they called him, although he never, was never the Rock for us, uh, Carlos Sanchez. <laughs> so it does. When, when you have a, a, a big player for your national team play for, um, play for a, a club, it definitely, you know, increases interest in that in that club, um, and the fact that we could have three Argentina internationals lining up in our starting eleven in August is incredible. This time last year, we we'd never had an Argentinian player. I don't think. Never mind an Argentinian international. So within twelve months, we have three in the in the club. Similar thing with our Brazilian internationals, uh, Wesley and Douglas Luiz. It is. Just the startling transformation at Aston Villa and, and almost you have to kind of pinch yourself because it is so exciting that um, that you don't want to get too carried away because you could have broken your heart so many times. <laughs> but I'm 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 beginning to love again. I'm learning to love here. I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to put myself out there and believe that this could be this could be really it. This could be it. This yeah. could be it. The, the signs are good, and and I think I think that's it. And you feel like you've got good. It feels like we've got good people doing their best and 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 using their expertise um, in a in a coherent way um, within the club. You know, right from Dean Smith to um, you know to to Mackenzie and Langer and and, and Perslow, and of course Harrison um, with the with the academy setup as well. So you know it, it's. It, it it just augurs well, doesn't it, for um for for where we're heading, um. But like I say, um, it's, we've got to get it right on the pitch next season, in my opinion, and um, it's a it's quite a big job this summer, I think. So we'll 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 study it as we go along, um, over the over the summer. Well, yeah, um, you've not only got to get it right uh, 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 off the pitch, and you've also got it got to get it right in your in your special man area, don't you? You do, you do. And um, and with that, um, here's a word from our sponsors. Yeah, Andy, it is time for us to have a little chat about our sponsor. And I'm delighted to talk about Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com are the proud sponsor of our wonderful past, uh, our wonderful podcast here, uh, Gather Around the Lamp, and you get 20% off with our promo code LAMP, that's LAMP for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. So let me tell you, Andy, 
Last week, I went to the beach with my wife and some friends of ours. And uh, you may have heard of it. There's a TV show all about it, Jersey Shore. I was at the Jersey Shore. And what I needed to do before I got to the beach was I needed to make sure that everything was manicured and trimmed within an inch of its life. So I took my Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and I went into the shower. You know why I went into the shower, Andy? Why? Because it's waterproof and you can. So rather than me doing it on the carpet and trying to, you know, uh, uh, put uh, pubes all over the cat and, and all over that, I get to do it in the shower. It washes straight down the plug hole. True story. Well, you know how the cat, I don't know if you've got a cat. My cat is around my legs when I'm doing anything. So you don't want, you don't want pubic hair on the cat. It's not, it's not funny. All right. So anyway, so I went in the shower with my waterproof Manscaped 3.0 lawnmower. And I shaved everywhere. I did my armpits, I did my chest, I did my balls, all of my intimate male areas, ready for the Jersey Shore. And my wife and I were at the beach, we're sunbathing, you know, you go back to the hotel, you have a nap, you have a, a, a shower, and then we go out for dinner. It's romantic, there's wine, there's candles. And she knows, and I know. And she knows that I know that she knows that I know that I am ready for action and I am manscaped to within an inch of my life to absolute perfection. So later on, should there be a little bit of bam, go wow, wow. She knows that I am manscaped and I'm ready to go. Uh, how about you, Andy? I understand that you've been using a different one of the manscaped products to keep yourself cool in these summer months. Well, not quite as exciting as the Jersey Shore, but certainly working at home in these hot conditions in England that we've been having working at home in my office, sitting at my desk, talking to people on the phone. It can, it can get quite sweaty down below. And I've been using the Manscaped ball deodorant. You get out of the shower, you apply some of this stuff, and it refreshes you for the whole day. It stops the, the itching, <laughs> the chafing, and it just smells good, it feels good. And I totally recommend it. It's been a bit of a life changer for me um, in these COVID times of working from home and not getting too too sweaty at my desk. So, yeah, absolutely recommend that, Craig. Absolutely. So get yourself involved. It's summer. It's hot out there. It's summer. It is the summer of love. So let's get out there. Let's get friendly with some of our friends. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P, LAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using our promo code LAMP. All right, so make sure you hit the target, unlike Harry Kane, and sure up your D this Euros with manscaped.com. Right, in Euro news then, um, it was the day we'd all been waiting for um, as... Gareth Southgate finally, in the, the the clash with Czech Republic last night, unleashed Jack Grealish, and he made his first start of the tournament. It took only only twelve minutes for him to stamp his name on on the match, as uh, as he linked well with 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 Harry Kane and delivered a peach of a cross for Sterling to nod in at the back post. It proved to be the winner as England topped the group and heading to the last 16. Um, and whilst Jack was kind of taken off around 65 minutes, how did you rate his showing and, and has he done enough, do you think, to start the next match on Tuesday? 
Oh, my beautiful, beautiful Jack. I was like a proud dad. I'm sure you all were. I was, I was grinning from, from, from ear to ear. And I just, this has been such a long time coming for us Villa fans. Like we, we were calling for, uh, for, for Jack Grealish to be called up to England squad way back in the dark days of the championship, you know, when he was really lighting up the championship. And obviously Gareth Southgate said, no, no. We won't call up any players from the championship and then proceeded to quickly call up both Mason Mount and Calvin Phillips. But that's a different story. Um, I was just delighted, delighted to see finally, and and, and make no mistake, you know, Southgate wasn't going to pick him. Mason Mount was going to be playing again, even though Mason Mount, good player as he is, has done absolutely nothing of note in this uh you know, the only thing Mason Mount's contributing thus far to the England clause is lots of lots of pressing and lots of whacking his free kicks and corners into the first man. Um, so Jack wasn't going to get his chance, but he did get his chance and ah, oh, it was beautiful. And then he 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 does what, what Grealish does. He's he's dancing, he puts in a lovely cross. And you know, he always does that for Villa, and there's never anyone there. Whoever's on the right wing, either Trezeguet will either fall and fall over and or scuff it wide, or hit the post, or bump into the post, or Traore is off uh, dancing somewhere else. Um, whereas I think actually next season Buendia will be there to nod those in. So it's a it's a it was a beautiful assist. I was delighted to see Jack Grealish uh, in the England side. He belongs there. He belongs on the world stage. He's really earned his place there. He's really, really earned his place there. My goodness, how good has he been for how long now? Um, and for that to be his first start of the tournament was 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 disappointing, but I'm glad that he had it. Um, has he done enough to start the, the next match? Yeah, he created a goal. He transformed along with uh, Saka, by the way. We've already spoken about Saka a little bit. Um, Saka was also awesome. Really good. The pair of them um, really transformed the England attack. Has he done enough to start the next match? Yes. Will he start the next match? Who knows? Um, Mason Mount may be back and may not be back. And I would bet my house that Southgate will start Mason Mount, even though Jack Grealish got an assist and the team was transformed. And obviously Harry Kane looks much happier as well with Grealish on the pitch. So... Um, I would love to see him play next week, but um, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, I think yeah, everything you said there is there's correct. Um, I think it has been a long time coming. It feels like he's had to earn it more than 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 everyone else. Um, it feels like he's had to jump through every hoop imaginable to get this chance. Um, and what worried me really was was watching the the pre match. There was an awesome interview with Jack Grealish. You know, he he came across like he just he just you know belongs there, and he he's just the, the arrogance pouring from him. Um, but then the, the conversation kind of shifted, and and Gary Neville in particular was talking about how how pleased he was that that Grealish was finally getting his his opportunity, um, and he was saying, "I just hope he takes it," you know, because. You know, and it was almost a sense of this is it for Jack. He's got to deliver tonight, um, or that could be that could be his tournament done. Um, and it might still be because you know, like you say, if if Mason Mount is back or or he decides to play Phil Foden instead or or whatever in the in the in the last sixteen game next week, 
Um, they could get knocked out, and that'll be Jack's tournament over. Well, everyone's tournament over. So um, it feels like it was a, a really a really big night for him and and I think a lot of Villa fans there was a lot of annoyance when he got taken off on social media um the fans too in the stadium booed their heads off right yeah absolutely and and I think I think it, it shows the fans want to see those players I felt like almost it was a good time to take him off because I think he had perhaps slightly run out of gas but but when we um when we watch Jack Grealish every week, we know that he gets those second, third, fourth wins every game. You know, you feel like he's just run his socks off and he he might sort of kind of, you know, sort of rest a bit, a little bit, you know, or, or, or whatever, and then he goes again. And um, I would just... Ne- the, the problem is if you take him off, he's not going to do anything. Um, whereas when he's on the field the chances are he's going to create something um, a bit special and I think the, the the issue Southgate is going to have is um, if they do get out knocked out next week and he doesn't pick Jack Grealish I think it could could well he, he could well be be answering that with his job because um, um, there will certainly be a backlash from the media and and the supporters so but it's it's so interesting. I've, I I said last night. I said to to my my missus, I've never known. She had no interest in this, by the way. But I said <laughs> I've never known um, Aston Villa have a player like this that captures the imagination of everyone in the country. He is the, the superstar in the country. Um, yeah, and it's 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 madness. I'm sort of thinking, well, I've been I've been watching this guy every week for the last four years. Um, well, the, yeah. even Ashley Young, if you think about it, you know, we've talked about Ashley Young being being one of the stars of that Martin O'Neill team, a team that was a top six team, not a mid-table team or a championship team as, as, as Grealish has been involved in. Ashley Young never had this kind of fanfare in his in his in his career, you know, when he was Villa star player. Um, so it's, you know, Gareth Barry never had this kind of fanfare when he was an England player. Vassell never had this kind of fanfare uh, when he was an England player. Uh, even Southgate himself, you know, for those of us old enough to remember, you know, Southgate's running England team, he certainly never had this kind of fanfare. So this is really brand new for us, certainly in the modern era as Villa fans. I think you're, you're bang on. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's... Um... I just, I just hope we can, we can get through another, another couple of rounds, and he can really show what he can do against, against big sides, where the, where the result matters. In fairness, last night, and in fairness to the, the whole, the whole England team, you know, they were through last night. They just had to hang on and get that win. And I don't even think they'd have been too concerned if they'd have conceded an equaliser because they would have finished yeah. second then. So. Um, I, I actually, I actually think it was a difficult night to to prepare for. Um, I think if 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 they'd have got got the win behind them, they'd have they'd have gone on and scored um, two or three goals. But it just it just didn't really materialise. That said, there were there were one or two very good performances, and um, and and Jack Grealish was certainly one of them. And um, yeah, I think I think he's. I personally think he's done enough. I think even if Mason Mount comes back, I think Grealish will keep his place on the on that on the left hand side. Um, Sterling will perhaps move over to the other side, and and Mount will come back in. And I, I you know, I'd, I'd love to see Mason Mount and um, and Grealish play together because I just think they would complement each other so well. 
I think that I think they would too. I think um, you know I I, I don't think it's it's going to happen. I actually wrote a piece uh, about this, which was called uh, Grealish versus Mount and Southgate's uh, mythical number ten. I wrote that for for the website uh, under a gaslit lamp dot com. I'm not sure that's ever going to see the light of day now because um, I wrote it just before. Um, Mount was uh, was taken away with COVID. But I know that we have non-Villa fans who listen to this podcast who sometimes think, oh, you guys are just biased about Grealish. Let me just reel off in terms of the earlier point that we made, just some of the players that have been capped for <laughs> by Gareth Southgate. You know, and Jack Grealish, remember, was only called up last September, less than a year ago. And he was only called up because there were injuries. Let's just remember that. So Alex McCarthy... Don't even know who he is. Capped by Gareth Southgate. Nathaniel Chalaba. Jack Cork. Jake Livermore. Jake Livermore. Six caps for Gareth Southgate. Jake Livermore, guys. Aaron Questwell. Dominic Solanke. Nathan Redmond. Phil Jagielka. Lewis Cook. Who's Lewis Cook? Nathaniel Klein. Andros Townsend hasn't had a good game for seven years. Um, uh, uh, Jermaine Defoe is 54 years old. He's got two caps for Gareth Southgate. I mean, it, Fabian Delph, again, not had a good game for five or six years. So, you know, when we talk about when we talk about Grealish having to do more than other players, uh, Maitland-Niles as well got caught up before Grealish. You know, you know, imagine that. And this isn't necessarily anything, anything against these players, except maybe in the case of, of Alex McCarthy. Is he a goal? Who is that? He's a goalkeeper, I, I think. I think that's, All right, yeah, fair enough. Think. Fair enough. Or, um, it, it, maybe it is, you know, Lewis Cook, Klein, again, hasn't been any good for seven or eight years. So this is the reality of the situation. Grealish isn't treated the same. And what you said about Grealish really ties into what we said last week about Mings. And I tweeted this before the game yesterday. Mings had to be perfect. He was perfect and still got dropped. Grealish has to be perfect. He has to either score or assist every single game. Otherwise, you know Southgate's going to pull him off. Uh, no, pull him off is the wrong. It's gonna, it's, Southgate is going to... Uh, take uh, 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 There you go, take him off. Not, not play him. So, that is not fair. Foden isn't held to that standard. His golden child, Mason Mount, who is a good player, by the way, isn't held to that kind of standard. John Stones isn't held to the same kind of standard as Tyrone Mings. And why are the Villa players held to this standard? Is it, is it this mythical Europa League, Champions League, is it a big club bias? Please explain it to me, Andy, because I don't understand why Villa players have to be absolutely perfect, whereas other players can stink the place out and get away with it. I think I think a lot of it is to do perhaps with the 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 higher level that they're that they're operating at. So players like uh, Stones, Maguire, um, Mount, Foden, they they played Champions League football, um, they played European football, and obviously a lot of games for England. You know, Stones and Maguire played in the World Cup, and and you know, in, in I mean, in the case of Mings, I, I don't I don't necessarily have a major problem with. Um, with with Maguire coming in for Mings, if I put my England hat on, I think Maguire is a very important player for England. Um, but yeah, I, I I do feel certainly with Grealish that that there's 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 been some sort of um, problem there. There's a there's a blind spot or there's a an issue where they they perhaps don't know quite how to use him or um, 
and I said this before that you know Southgate Southgate's entitled to pick the team he wants at the alt- at the end of the day it's his job that's on the line um so he's he's got to pick pick the team that he wants he's not there to to um make Villa fans happy or 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 um improve Jack Grealish's career you know he's not he's not there for that um he's there to pick a a winning team for England and and so far in this tournament he's done that we've we've we've, we've won the group we haven't lost the game but there's a yeah, sense I, that I, I I can I can accept I can accept that but I think what I will say Andy if you're going to play this pragmatic football and leave out your your one of your talismatic players you kind of have to win there's yeah. no well, there's no room for error is there you, you if you're going to play kind of a Thomas Tuchel football or or Conte football or Simeone football or even Mourinho back before you know you know when he was good if you're going to play that kind of football people will forgive you for it but you have to win. The second you're not winning with this kind of football, problems. Yeah, and it's I, problems. I, I I wonder whether um, you know there is there is a, a game plan. I mean, Southgate has talked about managing the the tournament, and you know maybe in in, in years gone by we've not done that very well um, and and fallen foul of that. But the problem is that if they're playing, if England are, are going to be lining up next week against France or Germany. Or even Portugal, they're going to have to go into a a couple of higher gears very very quickly, um, because what we've seen so far isn't good enough to beat those teams. Um, so they're going to have to. But but then Gary Neville is correct in his assessment as well when he says, you know, England aren't ready at the moment to beat um, those top teams in Europe um, playing their game. You know, England have to play but, our game, and 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 I. And that's, that's. Yeah. <laughs> but how how how? Here's, I, I'm not saying that's wrong, because, but what I will say is, how do we know? These players have not been let off the leash. Uh, uh, Southgate has never even tried to play this any kind of expansive football. I mean, in in some of the qualifiers against lower opposition, he literally was starting with eight defensive players. He had a goalkeeper, he had five across the back and two holding midfielders. We've never seen him even try it, even in a friendly game, try and go for it. So it's it's all well and good saying, and Gary Neville, I respect his opinion a great deal. And he knows, certainly he's probably forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But this idea that, oh, well, we can't do it. Well, we've never tried. And speaking of game plans, um, I, I want to give a shout out to um, PGR underscore analytics, who's a great follow on Twitter. Um, this is a tweet from him. So it's PGR underscore analytics. Jack Grealish was the target of only 32 passes last night against Czech Republic. Out of players who played at least 60 minutes, only Jordan Pickford received less passes, 30. So two less to the goalkeeper than Jack Grealish re- received at 32. What is that all about? Why are these guys now? I don't expect them to find Jack with every pass, like um, like uh, like like Villa do. Obviously, it's not that st- it's not the same thing. I get that. Why are they not passing to Jack Grealish? Well, I think I think it is the the fact that there are there are other options in that team. I don't think it's necessarily um, like like it is at Villa, where where it is is about. Jack Grealish and he he demands that he demands the ball, but there were occasions undoubtedly in in so far in in both games that he's he's participated in 
where I suppose we see him in, in space as Villa fans and we think, right, the ball's going to Jack now. And and it doesn't. And you think, what's happened there? You know, <laughs> but that's because we're tuned into to to Jack Grealish and 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 to to how he plays, you know. But it does seem strange at times where you know you've got a player there in space and um and and he and he's 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 largely ignored and um whether that's actually the case or whether we're just a bit paranoid about it, I don't know. But I, um, I mean, yeah. the numbers don't lie. Only Jordan Pickford was passed to less against the Czech Republic, which yeah, means yeah. Carl Walker received more passes. John Stones received more passes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the defensive midfielders, Rice and uh, uh, Calvin Phillips, received more passes. I mean, that that is not uh, an Aston Villa bias. That's just that's just numbers. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's, it it does seem strange, and it does look strange when you when you watch it as well, and you see, um, you know. I mean, balls going back to the goalkeeper instead of instead of sort of feeding Jack when he's when he's in space, and you think, you know, that's that's very strange. But but you know, I think you know that all players would would have a would have an opinion on that, and and they, I'm sure they would say that maybe Jack isn't in the right areas, and um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there'd be a be some sort of reason for that. But it does. I, I I do admit, and I was watching it last night, and I did think it looked strange. But but nonetheless. He still, he still improved the performance of the England attack, and he set up the goal um, with you know a lovely, a lovely cross, and and um, you know it was really good to see him to see him out there and playing, and one way or another, um, he will either get on the field um, and and do his thing um, for England, or if he doesn't, um, it could well cost Southgate his job, in my opinion. So. Um, we shall see. We shall follow that next week and see how that goes. Um, I dare say. Um, but for the other number seven um, at the tournament, John McGinn and Scotland, they they exited the tournament. Um, I'm not sure many of our English listeners would have necessarily seen this game because it was on at the same time as the England game. But it was a, a three-one defeat to Croatia at Hampden Park. Um, it may have been. A disappointing tournament for the Scots, but but I think McGinn um, has won some admirers, um, certainly in the upper echelons of the Premier League, um, with both Liverpool and Man United um, reportedly interested in 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 our man. Um, we discussed some of some of McGinn's faults last week, um, but he's he's obviously highly rated within the game, as well as being um, loved at Villa Park. Um, do you see anyone tempting Villa to let the meatball man leave this summer? Um, I think it would be, it, it's going to depend on the money, um, you know, first and foremost. I think that, um, you know, I, I came after them again last week and, um, and he duly, uh, he duly then went on and, and dominated the, the, the England midfield in a, in a, in a, in a, in a board draw. So, um, you know, McGinn played really, really well. I have to say, against England, he he dominated uh, the the midfield. Uh, well, I think Billy Gilmore obviously got the man of the match, um, and um, you know we can also probably thank Billy Gilmore for Jack Grealish's start uh, against uh, <laughs> against Czech Republic. So uh, you know, Gilmore, Gilmore, Gilmore doing bits, as the kids say, and. Um, yeah, McGinn, McGinn, I watched the highlights of the Scotland game. Um, again, uh, McGinn's 
pass completion isn't where I would like it to be. Um, I don't think it should be in the 70s. He'll have to up that if he, if he does want to play for Liverpool and Man United one day. Um, I saw McGinn had one of Scotland's best chances, I think. It was a cross to the far post and he, he's kind of went with his wrong foot. Um, you, you know, dis- disappointing for, for Scotland. But um, I think Scotland have certainly not disgraced themselves and McGinn's been a, been a big part of that. And Scotland will come again. They have some really nice young players coming through. Uh, the young lad Turnbull, uh, who, who didn't get a lot of... Uh, I don't think he was... Um, he, he got a lot of minutes. Uh, Billy Gilmore... Um, they've got a young right back as well who's who's coming through, who's, who's supposed to be highly thought of as well. So I think Scotland and McGinn will come again. But will McGinn leave Aston Villa? I don't think so. I think um, Dean Smith absolutely loves him. And Dean Smith plays McGinn, whether McGinn is playing well or not. And I think that, you know, McGinn being best mates with Jack, McGinn being you know one of our championship promotion heroes, scoring the winner in in, in the final... I'm not sure Liverpool or Man United are going to be able to come up with the necessary money to take John McGinn away, which which is rumoured to be upwards of £50 million. And I also, more importantly, don't think that John McGinn is the kind of character to kick up a stink and, and try and engineer a move either. Um, he seems settled at Villa, he seems happy at Villa. And I think that this Villa team is, is building towards something. So I think that McGinn is, um, is definitely going to be part of the plans and it's difficult to imagine them anyone bidding enough money to let him go but you know I don't think he's Jack Grealish undisputable and un, you know un irreplaceable type thing I think if if someone came in with a bonkers offer you know 50 60 70 million and you can really you'd, you'd, you'd have to consider it I would guess yeah absolutely I, th- I, I tend to agree with that and you know it, it is one of those where you know he is a bit more um human than than Jack Grealish isn't he so he's yeah you can you could you you could um uh kind of replace him in some respects although I've never seen a player like John McGinn and you know he is my favorite player at the club I, I absolutely love him and um I'd be I'd be devastated to see him go um he's 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 just provided sort of so many so many great memories in his in his few years at the club and uh but he you know he's he's an ambitious uh, chap, and he will want to play at the very top if he if he can possibly can. Um, but like you say, I, I'm not sure for what Villa would would want to 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 release him from his contract, which he only signed in December, I think. By the way, so it's a it's an even shorter contract um, time since he signed the contract than Grealish. Um, you know. I just think he'll. He, it would be too much, and I, I, I don't see it happening. I just don't see um, Villa being um, at all tempted to sell him. Uh, you know, certainly not at what people would possibly be be looking to buy him for. So, but we will see. You know, there's a long way to go. It's, you know, seems like an absolute lifetime until the 31st of August <laughs> when the transfer <laughs> window shuts and. Uh, Particularly with them, um, like you say, the, all the tapping up that goes on um, around tournament time. But um, here endeth the the podcast today. Um, thank you very much for joining me, Craig. That's that's been a, a really good hour or so uh, chatting over everything Villa. Um, and thanks to everyone for for listening. Um, and remember that if you want to, um, we are sponsored by Manscaped. So head over to manscaped.com. And you can collect all your male grooming products from there. Some excellent stuff. 
um, on on there. And you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LAMP, L-A-M-P. Um, and uh, and that's all on us. So thank you. Thank you for, for doing that if you do. And thanks for listening. Have a great week. Let's hope England get through and up the villa. <laughs>